You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to this week's episode of uh, Justice is Served on BlackHollywoodLive.com. Thank you for joining us, where we bring you the latest in legal news and entertainment. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Rawa Gebra'ab. I'm Lonnie Coombs. And we are joined today by a very special guest, um, attorney Michael Wilson. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Why don't you tell the people uh, a little bit about your background? All right, well, thanks for having me, first of all. I'm very excited to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm a civil lit- general civil litigator in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing for about 10 years. And um, basically what that really means is I do dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. Anybody gets into a fight... I'm generally in the middle of it. Okay. <laughs> Referee, basically. Exactly. Okay. And have you been practicing in Los Angeles for all of your legal career? Entire legal career. I've been here in L.A. and I love it here. Okay. I can ever leave. I know the weather, amongst other things. If you get spoiled, things. I know it's hard to leave. It's very hard. I started in Chicago, so um, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a change that I appreciate. Um, we have a lot of really great topics to uh, to touch on today. Yes. We're going to uh, we're going to discuss the police chokehold death of uh, Eric Garner and the uh, upcoming or jury trial of the um, of Ted Wafer, who is accused of uh, murdering Renisha. McBride, and uh, we'll also have some very interesting celebrity uh, stories on our on the docket. So let's go ahead and get started with our case of the week. Um, it, in a story that has absolutely exploded over uh, the past week, Eric Garner, a 43-year-old Staten Island man, was put in what looked like a chokehold on Thursday by a New York City police officer and died. The episode was recorded, and after the video was posted uh, by the New York Daily News and viewed thousands of times, outrage built and uh, and horror as well. I think we have the video, video here, um, and I may have to tell you to cut a little bit um, because it can go on for some time. So let's go ahead and run the video. Do we have volume on that? Nothing. I did not sell nothing. Because every time you see you want to harass me, you want to stop me, trying to sell cigarettes, I'm minding my business, officer. I'm minding my business. Please just leave me alone. I told you the last time. Please just leave me alone. Don't touch me, please. Don't touch me, please. I actually think we can go ahead and cut this point if that's okay because it goes on for some time and it gets uh, quite a bit more graphic it's a really disturbing video to watch but um, as you can see he was put in a 
apparent chokehold. I mean, we, you know, we can't say for sure, but that's certainly what it looks like. And uh, not only do we have that video, but there was also a second video taken by another onlooker uh, that goes for about 12 minutes and, you know, records everything, uh, even from the paramedics arriving. Several minutes later, uh, they waited to give the guy CPR, and uh, uh, he was an an asthma sufferer, and he said he can't breathe, he can't breathe, he can't breathe, and it just it kind of looks like people are just standing around not doing anything but the police and uh, the, the paramedics. Uh, initially, why he was confronted by the police was because uh, he was... He'd had prior charges of selling Lucy's or just selling, you know, blue cigarettes. And it's, it's a minor offense, but it's one that kind of gets the police called in every now and again. And, um, and he was buried yesterday in, in Brooklyn. It was a really sad story. Um, the mayor, mayor of New York, uh, Bill de Blasio said he has ordered, uh, that the full investigation move forward into the case and into police chokeholds. Uh, apparently, uh, chokeholds are not permitted in New York City because of, well. They're not it's, permitted anywhere. Yeah, and, and anywhere. Okay, that's good. That's good. And, um, uh, because of incidents like this, you don't know, you know, what could happen and, and how somebody could be fatally injured. So, uh, the news spread and it's become really, you know, a civil rights issue and, um, I guess moving forward, I'm, I'd really like to, to know your opinions on, um, well, Lonnie, I guess I'll start with you. What, what kind of charges is this police officer who put him in a chokehold facing? He was put on desk duty. He was, mm-hmm. had his gun taken away, his, his badge taken away, and um, now he's, he's still being paid. What kind of charges are, is, he face, are, are he, is he facing? And moving forward, what could happen to him? Well, what they're always looking at is uh, it was excessive force used. And right. that's what the police officers are really judged by. And so they will go through this videotape. Thank heavens there's a videotape right. for everyone involved. That they can go through frame by frame and match up what they're hearing from both the victim and the police officers and what actions they're actually seeing. Now, you know, they, they're holding off to say whether that's an actual chokehold or not because they need the investigators to come in. It looks from a lay point of view that right. that's a chokehold. I mean, he puts his arm around his neck. Um, there are some experts who are saying if it was an actual chokehold, he would not have been able to say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. But when you hear him say, I can't breathe, it sounds like he can't breathe. And mm-hmm. it's a very disturbing um, audio. The other thing that I find very upsetting is, first of all, he is not doing anything threatening. Mm-hmm. He is standing there. He's conversing. He has no weapon. He's not trying to run away. They obviously know who he is. He knows who they are. He's like, look, we see each other all the time. You guys keep bothering me. I'm not doing anything. And when they decide to take him down, Mm -hmm. there is somebody that immediately goes for his neck. They're not just saying, hey, you know, we're going to handcuff you. We're going to take you in. Let's try and go for your hands. And as you notice, when he goes down, this one hand right here is up like this. He's holding his hand up. There's no weapon. He's not doing anything intimidating. If you want to take his hand to put a handcuff, he's handing it out to you. Right. But instead, somebody is focused on his neck. Now, obviously... They're nervous about his size. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a big guy, so it's they like have pounds. one guy just go immediately to his neck to mm-hmm. take him down. And that's just not proper procedure. Just because somebody's big, you don't assume that you're going to have to take him down in this manner. So I think there's some real issues there for the police officers. I think Chief Bratton understands that, which is why he's saying there's an investigation. Mm-hmm. I think the mayor is right on top of this. I appreciate the way he's leading out calmly but firmly saying this needs to be you know looked into 
into. Um, it is a tragic situation. And then there's a whole other situation about when paramedics finally do get there. Right. That's what the second video is about. And all of those paramedics, by the way, have been suspended because they do not go and help him and he is laying there he's not moving that's the part i actually have even a harder time watching that because i'm holding my breath i feel like he's not breathing what's going on here and everybody's just standing there there are some reports that there was an ambulance like a a block away but they wouldn't let him come forward to come take him Mm -hmm. i mean if he's laying there not moving not responding start doing cpr start doing something i mean just as a human being seeing somebody else in distress and he's handcuffed just laying there and they're not doing anything. So I I think there's a lot of issues here, both for the police and for the EMTs. And I'm very grateful that there's a videotape of the entire thing. Actually, later on in the video, what you can hear is somebody uh, in the background saying, okay, is anybody going to do CPR? Mm -hmm. And one of the police officers said, "Um, he doesn't need CPR. He's breathing. So yeah, I'm sure that's going to enter into it at some Mm -hmm. point. What are your thoughts on this, Michael? Actually, I wanted to go back a little bit to the excessive force that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. It actually, it I mean, it's a videotape, so we can't really tell what's going on, mm-hmm. and we don't want to make any decisions before some uh, full investigation has been right. done. But the guy that jumps and gives and puts him in the chokehold or whatever you want to call it, it looks as if he's using his entire body. Mm-hmm. His feet are off the ground. Yeah, because he's short. Um, so yeah. I mean, so the I mean, what is it, the saying is, "Don't bring a gun to a knife fight." Right. Like, I mean, that was a little much. Mm-hmm. I, I would think, mm-hmm. and I, I think I, I, in my opinion, excessive force. But mm-hmm. you have to let. Due process take its course. They have to investigate. Well, incidents like this always uh, spur communities to push for change. Uh, what kind of change would I mean? Would the community seek now? I mean, what what would what would we expect to see moving forward from this? I mean, is it just going to be something we see in the news for the next couple of months and then we move on, or is this something that uh, we expect to take on a life of its own? I don't know. What kind of change would you would you think would come from this? Sadly. I think it's going to be in the news for a couple months, mm-hmm. and then it's going to just everyone's going to go about their like, go on their way. Mm-hmm. What I would hope to see happen is that someone retrains or provides some type of class for all of these police officers. If chokeholds aren't allowed, then we need to know that you can't use them. We need to know what excess or what force is measurable to what you're being presented with. Like if you're being presented with a guy who's not really saying anything or just kind of a little bit upset. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is necessary, and they should probably be taught that. So I would hope that they, I hope that there are more classes and more and some type of oversight to retrain the police officers. Unfortunately, I, I can't say that would happen. Well, Chief Bratton actually did announce that he's going to do some retraining, exactly what you said, which is surprising to me that it needs to be retrained because I <laughs> thought that was part of their training about the chokeholds and not doing it. Just a reminder. <laughs> yes, they're, they're now going to go and remind all of the police officers and, and retrain them because there's got to be 50 different things, you know, all alternatives that they could have used before they got to the chokehold. Yes. A- and they didn't. So, so there's clearly, you know, more training that needs to be given to the police officers. What I thought was really interesting is that Patrick Lynch, who was the president of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, kind of a spokesman for a community organization of police officers, was upset. And he made a statement saying that he was the the, um, desk duty, the removal of the officers, uh, the officer who choked him, his badge and his gun was completely unwarranted and absolutely wrong. And now what we're finding is, especially online, uh, a lot of reactions from police officers, officers, their position being that... When you're in the moment, mm-hmm. it is very difficult to make a decision as to what is right. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And, of course, looking back, perhaps that decision would not have been made. Hopefully it would not have been made. But um, police officers and, and, and people in, in public safety have these decisions that they have to make every day uh, that 
don't necessarily uh, go as planned, and uh, the results can can be fatal, such as in the case of Eric Garner. So, um, well, and I, and I do think something needs to be said. Look, I, I worked with law enforcement very closely for right. eighteen years. I have nothing but a lot of respect for most of the officers out there. They they work extremely hard mm-hmm. in very difficult situations, and you know they don't have the hindsight. They're not stepping back. They're in the middle of these situations, right. and they do try to do the best thing they can do. But every once in a while, someone makes either just a bad decision, mm-hmm. or it's an officer who perhaps you know runs to the more uh, dangerous option right away. So that's where you need this oversight. But. Um, you know, I understand the union saying they shouldn't have, you know, taken the position of, well, you shouldn't suspend him right away. There hasn't been an investigation yet. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's just, it's a, it's not a termination. It's a suspension until yes. there's, until there's a, um, a hearing. So I think that the, you know, Chief Bratton and this mayor seem to be working together, um, keeping in mind both the officer's interests and also the community's interests you know, trying to make it, you know, satisfactory for both people, right. both the, parties. From what I understand, the mayor canceled his uh, vacation or pushed it back and, and decided to stay and handle the situation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you can't keep a guy like that, the police officer, with a gun on the streets. You just, you can't. Well, Everybody would be outraged. I mean, I, I have to fully agree. Like, it, they police officers are in a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to make a decision. You have to make it quickly. Right. Yeah. So I, mean, I fully respect that. And I, I don't go out every day and deal with, like, belligerent people. I do, but not in this yeah. manner. Yeah. So... But taking the guy's gun away or give, putting him on desk duty, that's not that's what you said. It's not a termination. It's actually allowing due process to be done. It's actually removing him from the situation while at the same time giving him the process that needs to happen. I don't see why anyone would be upset about that. He hasn't right. been fired. Right. They're right. just making a decision as to what, how well, to proceed. Well, I'll tell you. Police officers who are dedicated police officers don't like to be behind a desk. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be out on the streets doing their job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that it's kind of that that mentality, which is what we want them to do. We want them to be out there. All right. Yeah, the investigation is pending. We'll see how this goes, but let's move on with On the Docket. On the Docket. Okay, we've got three great stories here. Um, The first one... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I know. We're all going to start laughing. (laughs) I know. All right, perhaps you've heard about Sadie (laughs) Bell. She is a 58-year-old woman who had been having an affair with uh, Edward Lee for 15 years. And um, Edward Lee was also married, Mm -hmm. so this was her, you know... Side piece. Her lover. Yeah, yes. Her lover. <laughs> and her um, apparently, after one of their sexual liaisons, she got upset and decided that he had been having an affair because he wasn't, and I'm quoting this, um, he wasn't producing enough ejaculate. And so because of that, she determined in her own expertise that he was having an affair, and so she took out a gun and she shot him in the stomach. And um, actually did a lot of damage. He damaged, she damaged his colon and pancreas. He nearly died. He was in the hospital for six months. He's still recovering. This happened back in January of 2013. Um, and so it went to trial, and she was um, convicted um, of assault with intent to do great bodily harm. She was sentenced to 20 months to 10 years for the assault in addition to two years for the gun charge. But um, she's appealing her her conviction and while that's on appeal while it's pending appeal um at first she had twenty five thousand dollars um set as her bond and the judge just reduced it to ten thousand dollars and she got out 
And so um, there's some people that think that's a little crazy. It's insane. Uh, it's <laughs> crazy when it you is. find out that she actually has shot a person before. Her husband, years ago, um, in 1991, she shot her then-husband, um, but nothing ever happened about that because he refused to testify against her. And so she has no conviction there, and I guess she's hoping to get away with this one. So, Michael, as the man in the room, <laughs> how are you feeling about this? Two things. Yes. <laughs> Number one, wherever this woman lives, guys, do not go with this woman. Don't date her. I mean, because it doesn't sound like you're going to get Stay out of their away. life. Yeah, yeah. And Number two, I hope that her uh, her bail comes with some type of you can't own a gun. Yeah, like maybe you shouldn't be out shooting folks. Yeah, maybe like, stay away from the uh, lover. Yeah, I it's. I mean, and what is actually my biggest question is the guy's wife. Yeah, what does she think? If I mean, she's still the wife. If she, well, I'm, I'm, she's probably not still the wife. But what I mean, what is her? What, what's her comment on this whole thing? Yeah, her husband got shot in the stomach for not satisfying his <laughs> lover. Yeah, I, I just. <laughs> and it had been a 15-year affair. So if the wife had been married, you know, if they'd been married for a while, this has been going on for a Maybe long time. Maybe it was an time. arrangement. I don't know. I just... Well, and the thing, too, is that she based the whole thing based on, you know, her own little scientific <laughs> examination there, I guess. I don't know. And and to decide to shoot somebody just based on that quick judgment. What do you think, Rob? Her statement was so out of this world. Like, okay, so she gives this detailed statement to the cops about why, you know, in her own scientific opinion, why this guy was cheating on her, who he was cheating on his wife with, with her. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird, it's yeah. kind of a weird chain. But she said, and I quote, I'm a cheap date, and I like sex, so I expect him to perform. So she's like, you're not buying me drinks, you're not buying me dinner. This is all you have to do. Yeah. All you have to do, and you can't do your job. So, um, so you, know, it's, it's, you it's, need to be shot. If it's not, if it wasn't so crazy, I would, I mean, I'm still laughing, but it's pretty insane. And also, so, so there's that. And then the second question really or, or thought that I have is this is a really wide range 20 months to, mm-hmm. to 10 years yeah. and um, you know once she was convicted I, and, and I don't know if it's just because the news wasn't very clear about you know what her final sentence would be or you know we're awaiting the appeal to to figure out what that is but I mean w- how, how is that decision made I mean is it just really all left, left up to the judge's yeah. discretion and yeah. mm-hmm. I mean do past Incidents of, of violence yes. play into that, even yeah. though she wasn't convicted. But in California, the sentencing is you have a low, medium, and high term. Mm-hmm. Um, so in places it's a range, and then the judge comes in and looks at mitigating factors and aggravating factors mm-hmm. and decides where they should be on that range. And, you know, even though she wasn't convicted, it'll be interesting to see if they bring up the prior incident, which, you know, you can bring up pretty much anything in sentencing right. um, for the judge to, to consider. So that's how the, there is a wide range, but it's up to the judge. Well, I would like to send a special shout out to her criminal attorney because clearly he knows what he is or she knows what uh, he or she knows what they're doing. So um, I'm, I'm very impressed with the results that uh, her attorney has gotten for her and um uh, yeah, I'd be, well, I'd be she, she better enjoy her time out on bail because I'm guessing she's going to go back. To yeah, possibly. <laughs> it's quite likely. All right. Next story. Ray J. Norwood. Oh, Some Lord. people know her him as Brandy's yeah, her. brother. Some people know him <laughs> as know him. Kim Kardashian's 
ex-lover. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's known uh, in the criminal justice system. Now, this arises out of an incident that happened at the Beverly Hills Hotel back on May 30th. He was there and in the bar and the hotel and drinking and apparently got into a little scuffle with a woman there and was asked to leave. And when he didn't want to leave, the police came and then he made it ten times worse yeah. with the police. So at the time, even when the police arrested him, they said, you know, this little incident with the woman, um, it appears that at some point he brushed up against her buttocks, but there was no intent for any sexual harassment. That's what the police report read. Well, Mm -hmm. the DA's office got a hold of the report, along with, I am sure, every surveillance camera videotape that there's plenty of in that hotel and bar, looked at it, and they now have come up with four different charges. One is sexual battery for that touching of the woman in the bar. Another mm-hmm. one is vandalism, resisting arrest, and battery. And those three charges come out of when they arrested him and put him in the police car, he got upset and he actually kicked out the windshield of the car. And then when the police officers pulled him out, he spit on the police officers. Never a good move. Now, some people say that he was really whacked out. Maybe he didn't really know what he was doing. Um, he, at one point, made a statement and said, well, I kicked out the windshield because I was claustrophobic. But I'm sure that was before his attorney got a hold of him. <laughs> so, Rawa, what do you think of this? And I also find it interesting, you know, compare this to Justin Bieber, who's done so many things. Right. And how many charges have actually been filed on him? And Ray J, man, right out of the box, they filed four charges on him. Well, Ray J, you know better. You know better. You cannot be a black man spitting on the police. <laughs> you know how that's going to go. We all know how that's going to go. Um, I am not surprised um, because... Well, for a variety of reasons, but um, I think that uh, the incident, I don't know, I don't want to say it's been overblown because, yeah, spitting on the police and kicking out a police car, which I I feel like takes a lot of force to kick out a window. Yeah. I've never tried it before, but I'd imagine it it takes out a lot lot of force. But um, uh, maybe to send a message, what I find interesting is that Ray J has a reality show coming out. He is currently filming for Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, which will be premiering on VH1. And so uh, maybe there's some message in that uh, because the other two... um, Cities, because it's a spinoff. There's Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and Love and Hip Hop New York, uh, and both have had incidents where cast members were involved in uh, violent confrontations with each other uh, in the course of taping uh, with other people that are not in, in involved in filming. And maybe it's to send a message: Look, you can't continue like using violence to get ratings. Because mm-hmm. I won't be surprised at all if this was filmed. Well, let's ask. Uh, that's a good question, Michael. Mm-hmm. Do you think this actually had something to do with getting PR for his show? Do you think that the TV uh, production company should take that into consideration and maybe not proceed with his show? Or do you think, hey, that's great, they'll go ahead and this will be even better publicity for it? I don't know if it was planned to give publicity for his show, but it most certainly did. Mm -hmm. Now everyone's talking about it, everyone's saying, oh, Ray J this, Ray J that. So he got the publicity. Should they take it into account and not do the show? Why would they? Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's they're there to make money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He got himself into trouble. Mm -hmm. So they're going to use that to get every bit of cash out of it they can, I'm sure. Yeah. And I don't, I actually, I mean, I put I put more of the onus on him for acting crazy. I, I don't think that his uh, production company, if they had nothing to do with it, or is like, right. has anything to say about it, or should have anything to say about it other than, hey, great, we got some more money coming in because everybody's talking about it now. Yeah, yeah I Although, think, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I have, <laughs> I'm claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many other things he could have said. I mean, if you've got to come up with an excuse, yeah. maybe 
you know, I got there was a big spider on the windshield, and I got a little overzealous <laughs> and trying to kick it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got in the car. Better. My favorite song was on. I was trying to kick off my shoes and relax my feet. I mean, <laughs> I, it just makes no sense to me. It doesn't. What do you think is going to happen with the case? Do you think it's going to be a slap on the wrist? Do you think it's going to be something serious? It's four misdemeanors, not felonies. So. It's- it's from, it's going to be a slap on the wrist. I mean, you've seen, like, how many times have we seen this happen with a ton of other celebrities? Mm-hmm. Seems like a big, big deal, and then mm-hmm. suddenly they're, they get a super great criminal, like, defense lawyer, and they're out. Yeah. Just with a slap on the wrist, and I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Yeah. Although, I mean, comparing it to Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber actually didn't attack the cops. Like, so, I mean, spitting on a cop. Yeah. We were just talking earlier. They like to do their job. They try to do it with inde- integrity and dignity that... Spitting on the guy, probably not the best idea. Spitting yeah. on anybody. Yeah. Well, for real. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, but it's so disgusting. <laughs> Nobody likes this. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. last story on on the docket, and this one's going to be perfect for you, Michael, since you say you are conflict dispute resolution. This, these people need you badly. <laughs> okay, Octavia Spencer, who I loved in The Help, and yes. she's an amazing actress. Um, she decided to go ahead and be a celebrity spokeswoman for Sensa. Which, you know, we've all heard about. It's that little thing you shake on your food is supposed to make your appetite go away and you're supposed to lose tons of weight. But before she signed up, she really wanted to make sure that it was uh, along the lines of what she was comfortable with. So she wanted to make sure that people knew she was getting paid and sponsored, which is actually a good move because the FTA just came out with a ruling and says, you need to do that, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. We don't want these right. celebrities pretending like they're not getting paid for this. Um, she also wanted to, to be more focused on... He- having good health rather than losing a ton of weight. So she wasn't real big on, you know, the before and after pictures, like the typical, mm-hmm. you're going to lose tons of weight. She just wanted to say, look, you can do this for health reasons. She used it. She lost five pounds. She says, okay, I'll go ahead and do this. So apparently they thought they had this all worked out in the contract that was written. Um, they signed up. She was going to get paid $1.25 million for it. And so they started out and everything seemed to be going okay. Um, but then as time went on, apparently... She wasn't getting as much traction um, uh, in the publicity as Sensa was hoping for. It's the company. Um, and they did some tests, and they found out that because she didn't have anything going on in her career really big right then, people weren't as aware of her. They weren't aware that she was losing weight, and so they weren't really paying attention to this campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, according to Octavia, they terminated her contract. And it was because they didn't like the tweets that she put out because they sent her packaged tweets, essentially, and she didn't want to do those. She wrote her own, and then she would put a hashtag sponsored or, you know, paid so that people would know that. Um, She also kind of pulled back, supposedly, on the before and after pictures, even though she went along with some of them. Um, And so these were the reasons why the company says they terminated the contract. But she said they did this because they didn't want to pay me the rest of the money. Mm -hmm. They haven't paid me. um, They still owe me $700,000. So she filed this lawsuit. Um, the company came back and said, well, no, we had grounds for termination. She really kind of walked away from the contract, and they tried to get a summary judgment, meaning case over, nothing else happens. But the court said, oh, no, no, no. Ms. Spencer has raised enough issues mm-hmm. here that this should go to trial in front of a jury and let them decide. And so that's where we sit now. Now, Michael, <laughs> what would you do if you re- represented either one of the sides here? What Would you try and... Um, resolve it, negotiate it out? Would you want it to go in front of a jury? And who do you think is going to win this situation? If I represented either side, I would try to negotiate it out. Only because there's really, I mean, 
I, I tell all my clients, there's no, there's no winner when you go in front of a jury because a jury can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you could be entirely right. I'm 100% right. I know I'm like, and then just get smacked down. Yeah. So what you want to do is be an adult, sit down in a room and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as who's going to win this, I, I want to say that Octavia has a better chance in my, from what I know about this, only because she, I mean, it's a, it's a factual question. Did she walk away from the contract? Did they decide that they didn't want to pay her? She can probably show that I did everything I was supposed to do mm-hmm. or what they asked of me. Mm-hmm. And this this whole package, prepackaged tweets apparently weren't in the contract. Mm-hmm. So if it were if it were me, I would sell it as big company trying to like take take advantage of her celebrity and not pay her. Well, and apparently, I think they sent her a termination letter, right? So it wasn't like she just walked away. I mean, I think they're the ones who, I'm checking my facts here, but what what do you think, Rawa? Uh, well, I think uh, one issue that really strikes me is the uh, issue of putting Spawn, as in sponsored, as a hashtag at the end of these tweets. A lot of these celebrities are out here promoting um promoting different products, different companies, and a lot of them don't put sponsored or ad. And But you know, right. you know, out of nowhere, if somebody's like, yes, please try the new Dosa Keys app. <laughs> it's worked for me. It's fun. Like, I think some comedian uh, uh, did that. And somebody asked him, okay, like, is this is this an ad? Is this a sp-? And he was like, yeah, it is. And they paid me thousands of dollars to do it. Like, yeah. it loses its effectiveness. Yeah, the message yeah. is getting out. Maybe it's getting out to a whole bunch of people. But if people know that you're getting paid and it's not done in a way that's uh, it's yeah. kind of smooth, then it, it doesn't really um, have the effect. But if she wanted to put Spawn right. in her tweets, uh, the government has really decided to come down in, in recent months on uh, celebrities promoting. And... Um, I mean, that would be in keeping with what is required. Actually, I've heard that Spawn is too confusing because Doesn't it's not the full word. Right. Yeah, if you put hashtag ad, it's pretty, you know, it's it paid. For yeah. yeah, or paid, then it speaks for itself. But um, but Spawn is, you know, at least it's, it's kind of in that family of, mm-hmm. of hashtags. And uh, I think we'll find moving forward that a lot of celebrities and companies are going to have to be a lot more clear about their promotion and their cross-promotion. And um, it'll be an interesting issue to see play out because it may have effects down the line. Well, and the FDA had already find Sensa mm-hmm. specifically for not disclosing their celebrity spokespeople. So right. you would think that they would be happy with what Octavia was doing, but apparently they still want to go by the old, their old format. And they did send her a termination notice, so, um, which is what's kind of started the whole thing. I, mean, they, I, I would still, I would say that even works more in her favor. If they send her a termination yeah. notice, then obviously, I mean, they're going to try to say that she breached the contract previously, but yeah. no, she, I mean, she was doing what she was supposed to do accordingly. I have one question for you since you're, you know, an expert in this field. Whenever I see this, I think, what, didn't they put all these terms in the contract? Isn't it just clear there? Is it clear and people just later decide they don't agree with it or is it typically vague? I would think that the attorneys are getting paid to write these contracts so they would make them as specific as possible. The attorneys are getting paid to make a very specific contract. The problem is you can't contract, you can't account for everything. Right. And so it can be very specific. You can only wear blue on Tuesdays. Yeah. But they didn't say what about Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. So it's it just it's vague in that sense. You just can't write about everything. Okay. And I find that a lot of attorneys uh, attorneys and technology don't seem to mix a lot of times. And <laughs> uh, especially things like Twitter and you know you have these uh, attorneys who I mean are well, kind of social media ground. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, social media. So trying to account for all the possibilities and what you know in social media especially has got to be difficult mm-hmm. and and pretty vague. So. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Sounds like everything. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Oh man, those are some interesting <laughs> stories. It was pretty good. So our last segment is uh, tipping the scales. Uh, jury selection started on Monday in the shooting trial, uh, the Renisha McBride shooting trial. Uh, Ted Wafer is the defendant. Uh, you see him there in the photo. Um, and it will. The trial will put Wafer's self-defense claim to a tough test. Renisha McBride is the 19-year-old victim who was drunk but unarmed when she climbed the steps of uh, Mr. Wafer's Dearborn Heights porch to see ask for assistance. Her car had kind of careened off into a ditch and um, it was about three and a half hours after crashing her car that she made her way to his porch uh, to ask for help. Uh, the facts as we understand them or as we know them to be, which of course will be played out in trial and, and, and clarified to some extent, that she... Um, she came to his door and he's an airport employee wafer who lives alone and um, he's he kind of was like, who's there? And uh, it wasn't very clear if she was what she was doing. He said that he was afraid. He didn't know who was at his door. He shoots through the uh, screen. I mean, if she was drunk, then there's no telling. But uh, from what we understand, she was asking for help. And, you know, he kills her, shooting straight through his screen door without opening Locked it. Locked screen door, by Locked the way. Locked screen door, exactly. Uh, didn't call for help, didn't call, didn't call 911, um, just kind of went for the kill right away. And now he's being charged with second-degree murder manslaughter and use of a gun during the crime. Um, if convicted of the murder charge, he could face up to life in prison, um, although the term could actually be shorter, if that's if that's correct. A civil rights activist immediately jumped on this case because uh, this happened in November 2013. July of 2013 is when the verdict came down in the George Zimmerman trial, the shooting of young Trayvon Martin. So the momentum and, and the similarities uh, were very, uh, the momentum was high and the similarities, uh, although the cases weren't exactly the same, they shared, they shared some qualities and um pe- many people are referring to this case as almost like the sequel to the to the Zimmerman trial I'd love to know both of you guys but Michael starting with you what are your thoughts can this be considered a sequel I mean what what's the same and what's not I mean it can be considered a sequel in the sense that the whole idea of stand your ground mm-hmm. is you if you feel threatened well in the uh Trayvon Martin case Hernandez, mm-hmm. from what I understand, got out of his car and confronted him. So everyone oh, was Zimmerman? Saying, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. In that Zim, case, sorry, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they were saying, well, you should have stayed in your car. Mm-hmm. No reason for you to feel threatened if you hadn't put yourself in that situation. Right. Kind of the same thing here. I mean, if you're behind a lock screen door inside your house, and from what I understand, she had been in a car accident earlier, so mm-hmm. she had blood on her head. It, I don't think that, it doesn't seem as if she seemed threatening. Mm-hmm. And if she did seem threatening, maybe you could have closed the door and called the police. So those are those are the similarities. Basically, you're putting yourself in the situation and then saying, oh, because I put myself here, I feel threatened, so I can shoot people. Mm-hmm. That probably isn't shouldn't help work. Well, I with mean... With the gun that I happen to have with me, my, ready to go. Exactly. Did yeah. he put himself... In, I mean, he was in his house, so, and well, I'm not advocating for it. Right, right, right. It, it's advocating. interesting, because the trial has actually started. So we've right. heard some of the... We heard the opening statements from the defense also, and we've heard some um, testimony. So his position is... He's asleep in front of his TV. He hears banging on his side door mm-hmm. and then on his front door. Really loud banging, which makes him very nervous. He looks for his cell phone, can't find it. That's his excuse for not mm-hmm. calling 911. But he finds his gun. <laughs> and then he goes, actually, he doesn't get his gun first. He says, that he, according to the opening statements, he goes to the front door, opens it, sees one, two, maybe three people. He's not sure mm-hmm. who's out there. So he gets scared, goes and gets his gun, and then shoots. Um, no words exchanged between the two of them. But what's interesting is now the prosecution in their case has played the 911 tape of his phone call. And he tells a very different story in that 911 call right after. He mm-hmm. says, I hear banging. That's all the same. 
But I got nervous, and I had my gun, and it just went off. Like it was an accident. Like he had like no intention. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I think it was a girl, like maybe the neighbor girl or something. So it's a very different situation that's coming out now. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, if I were his defense, I would try to make, because he lives in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a lot of dan- or a lot of uh, Dearborn Heights technically, but right there on the right, line, on the, yeah. on the edge. right yes. there, and yeah. The, and apparently there's a lot of violence around his house. So yes. if mm-hmm. I were his defense attorney, I would say, well, maybe she was, you know, c- pretending to be like hurt or something, so that other people, when I open the door, could do a home invasion robbery. Yeah. and that's what it yeah. sounds as if they're like. Well, sure. and and they are going to put that on as a defense. That the, the defense attorney has actually been trying to get a lot of stuff in. She, he's uh, he's been trying to dirty up the victim, which the yes. judges said no. You can't put on any photographs that you want to try and imply that she was. You know, she wanted, this they wanted or that. Her, her selfies, right, from yeah. her cell phone. Um, but he also, the defense attorney also wanted to put on the crime rate mm-hmm. in this neighborhood and all of these. Um, home invasions and different crimes and the judge said no to that too which is interesting but they will most likely be able to go into his own state of mind because that is the yeah. the what the jury needs to look at and his own fear and his own prior i believe he had a prior break-in or was robbed or something so he's mm-hmm. been a victim before that might go to his state of mind so it actually is more to me like the oscar pistorius case than Zimmerman, because yeah. the question is, did he, in Good his point. own mind, have this hypervigilance mm-hmm. that made him reasonably, because that's our standard, reasonably um, in fear mm-hmm. for eminent danger, not just, oh, it was scary, but that I'm going to either be killed or have great bodily injury through my locked screen door, um, <laughs> that, that, that justified him shooting. So it's, I think that's going to be kind of the defense you see here is more of the Oscar Pistorius defense. That's a really good point. That's a really good point that you make, and, and, and the comparisons you draw make a lot of sense. Um, but you also raised something about the dirtying up of the victim, which is, uh, I think, something that was also done in the Zimmerman trial. I mean, they just you have this young kid who's in a hoodie and, like, carrying Skittles and a nice tea, but all of a sudden he's a drug user who's a criminal, and, um, and and people were upset. I mean, the nation, I think a lot of folks, particularly in the African-American community, were so frustrated by this uh, this characterization of this young guy. And, and, and this woman, Renisha McBride, she's also young, teen, um, and uh, now it looks as if the defense wanted to dirty her up as well. Uh, and the judge uh, kind of put, put the kibosh on that to the extent, you know, that we know right now. Do you think that, uh, Michael, do you think that the judge looked at what happened in the Zimmerman trial and thought, okay, uh, maybe there's, maybe I can learn from what to keep in and what to keep out? Or do you think that it, I mean, I don't know necessarily what judges do in terms of making their decisions, but, I mean, do you think that played a part in it? I mean, I think for anyone it would have played a part. Like, mm-hmm. basically, you you saw what happened and you saw that it wasn't necessary or like quite condoned. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the idea here is, like, you can't allow in evidence that tends to just, that has no probative value, mm-hmm. but tends to just make the other person look bad. So mm-hmm. if this ev- if these pictures of her with whatever she had in her hand or wh- whatever evidence she wanted to bring have nothing more to do with the case other than to show that she might be a bad person right. or she might have some kind of like like shadiness in her background, that I think is that's pretty much the like the late that's the in layman's terms that's the standard like you can't just allow it in so she can look bad. Well, and really what the judge has to look here, the, what the relevance is is what the defendant had in his mind right. at the time he shot. He didn't know what she had on her Facebook. Right. She didn't. He doesn't know. All he knows is what he heard before he went to the door and what he saw in those seconds before he fired through mm-hmm. the door. That's all that's coming in because that's what's relevant, what's in his state of mind, nothing else. Right. 
Yeah. So I think the judge did a good job on, you know, making sure that's really kept narrow. Yes. Yeah, it's a really sad story, but uh, we're really looking forward to see how this plays out. And, of course, we'll be following it and keeping you guys up to date on uh, the wafer trial. Uh, yeah, those are our topics for today. It was a really good show. Thank you so much for joining it's us great today. great to have you here, Michael. Well, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Please share with us your um, your, your social media handles and, and uh, information about your firm well, where people can reach you. You can reach me uh, – I'll give you my website because mm-hmm. that's the easiest to do. Mm-hmm. It's www.curatlex.com. So it's C U R A T L E X.com. And because I'm a, a previous classics major, it just means the law cares. Oh, um, I like that. Nice. Thank you. I was curious about that. So, uh, no, that's a. That's if a people answer. Google the law cares, will it go to your website too? Actually, you know what? What'll, what'll pop up is uh, non Lex, which is uh, pretty much a famous saying the law does not care. About oh, small things, the minimus non lex. The law doesn't care about small things, which is a pretty famous saying. Yeah. So it's a it's a takeoff. Of that. Okay. Okay. Oh, I love that. That's nice. awesome. Well, I can be reached at Rawa at Rawa R A H W A on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter also, Lonnie Coombs, L-O-N-I-C-O-O-M-B-S. And that is our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you guys next week. Have a wonderful weekend, and uh, that's it. Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. That's exactly what... The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.